Yo, what up, Chris? What up, Jordan? Excellent job on the last podcast, man. Yo, Jordan, I love the idea of a Grub Report podcast, man. I'm here for all that, man. Just reach out to a brother. Uh, uh, vibes and stuff is going to hold you down. Love, love the idea, man. I think it's long overdue. Also, man, great job touching on the NBA teams that never won a championship. My top three is actually the 2001 Sacramento Kings, the 97 and 98 Utah Jazz, and then the 1998 through 2000 Indiana Pacers. Uh, that That's why I was stacked, man. Uh, just do the research on it. But, uh, man, great show. Keep up the good work. And uh, I look forward to uh, supporting y'all and spreading the word. Unfortunately, the immutable laws of physics contradict the whole premise of your account. Allow me to reconstruct this, if I may, for Miss Bennis, as I've heard this story a number of times. According to your story, Hernandez passes you and starts walking up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Then you say you were struck on the right temple. The spit then proceeds to ricochet off the temple, striking Newman between the third and the fourth rip. The spit then came off the rip, made a right turn, hitting Newman in the right rip, causing him to drop his baseball cap. The spit then splashed off the wrist, pauses in midair, mind you, makes a left turn, and lands on Newman's left thigh. That is one magic loogie. Well, that's the way it happened. What happened to your head when you got hit? Well, uh, uh, my head went back and to the left. Say that again. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. What are you saying? I'm saying that the spit could not have come from behind. That there had to have been a second spitter behind the bushes on the gravelly road. The spitter was behind you as you claim. That would have caused your head to pitch forward. So the spit could have only come from the front and to the right. But that's not what they would have you believe. The sad thing is, we may never know the real truth. We're back. We are live. Stay Off Podcast, the legendary Stay Off Podcast, is back on the road. I'm Chris. I'm here with Jordan. What's going on? Welcome, welcome back, everyone. In the past few hours, we've gone from having perhaps very little to speak about to having quite a bit to talk about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first thing we're going to jump into is the oldest of all the news, and that is the Chicago Bears, who lost another close game, this time to the New England Patriots. Jordan, what is your uh, perspectives on the game? I don't want to say I expected it, but uh, I got to give kudos at least to the Bears for making it interesting. Whenever you play the Patriots, the evil team of the league, you, you, you got to always be mindful of what they can bring to the table, regardless of who isn't playing. 
uh, like Gronkowski. I, I will say I was impressed with the way the Bears started on both ends of the ball. There were a few, I would say, mishaps. Obviously, giving up two special teams touchdowns kind of is what broke the camel's back. Had that not been the case, you know, we might be talking about a W. More than likely, we will be talking about a Bears win. And Mitch Trubisky wouldn't have 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 thrown up that uh, crazy Hail Mary, which would have almost tied the game or at least got the touchdown and perhaps a field goal or maybe went for two. Don't know. But I thought the game was very good overall. Defense definitely is completely different when Khalil Mack is not Khalil Mack. And we've seen that now for a few games ever since he kind of had a nagging ankle injury versus Miami. I don't know how long it's going to linger. A, a high ankle injury is nothing to play with. And so that that could last for a while. Hopefully that gets gets worked out. Hopefully he'll be okay to go this week. 3 and 1 to 3 and 3 not good. Uh, so we'll we'll see how they how they how they go from here. Quickly went down from 3 and 1 to 3 and 3. And of course, like you mentioned, it has a lot to do with the Khalil Mack injury, the impact on the defense. And I, I just can't attribute it to that. I just I think things eventually level off at times. Yeah. Even the greatest defenses in, in the history of the NFL had one or two games where they gave up points. So I think you're dealing with that right now. And again, the Khalil Mack injury doesn't assist that effort but I think that has a lot to do with it. I think in the Patriots game, what the Patriots tend to do when they game plan is they they attack the weaknesses. They're students of film. They attack the weaknesses, and I think they win again at the endurance of the Bears. The Patriots like to – same thing kind of what they did with the Chiefs. Yeah. Have long, drawn-out drives – Keep the defense on the field. Tire them out. Uh, if the offense is getting a rhythm, the uh, opposing offense is getting a rhythm, you break that rhythm. So I think that's what the Patriots do. They like to dink you and dunk you, even though they have the ability to make the big plays. And that's what separates them from other sort of dink and dunk teams. But they'll dink you and dunk you and just kind of wear you down and fatigue you. And then you know, once you, once you fall asleep or have a lapse, they certainly take advantage of it. The Bears need to do a better job of taking advantage of gifts. The Patriots gave them quite a few gifts. Oh, yeah. And and they didn't really take as full advantage of it as they could. But when the Bears made mistakes, oh, the Patriots capitalized. So this is another game the Bears kind of had in hand, and they, they let it slip through their fingers as they did have a lead. But, again, something they let slip through their fingers can't make mistakes when Tom Brady's on the other, other sideline and he's just chomping at the bit to get in and, and get his team the W. You know, it's it's interesting because I was listening to uh, 670 and they were talking about how every game the Bears either have been in a position to win or uh, they've been close to winning They they or they should have won. You know, Green Bay, we know what happened with that with the first game of the year. Miami, you know, Cody Parkey could have could have ended the game in overtime, but even before that, they should have won it. They should have wrapped that up in in the fourth quarter. And then with New England, special teams play could have could have happened, you know, completely differently. So we're talking about had a few plays going differently, 
we we, t- we would be talking about a six and zero Bears team, possibly. You know, and then again, we also could be talking about uh, under five hundred team because of the the comeback wins against the uh, I believe it was the Cardinals. You know, so so it, it's 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 hit and miss. But you got to kind of give kudos to the Bears for being on the cusp. I'm gonna bring that word back out. Being on the cusp of being a very legitimately good team, man. Being one of the top teams uh, in the NFC North, which is saying a lot. They just got to get consistent. They got to get consistent. Mitch Trubisky, he continues to impress me. I know that, uh, you know, there was a lot of yardage picked up on that Hail Mary at the end, but 333 yards is still 333 yards. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. There were a lot of plays that he left on the field, particularly to my guy, you know, Anthony Miller. I'm very high on him and very high on him still. It's just that that chemistry has to get better. He overthrew him. I want to say – Obviously, once in the end zone, he could have had a touchdown. Mitch overthrew him. And then he, he he underthrew him on the interception. And then there was a few other plays. So it needs to it needs to be something that uh they need to work on. I, I think that it'll it'll kind of translate into a W coming up. I'm I'm booking another W. Uh, obviously they're going against a, a, a very beatable team. And so uh we'll we'll see how it all plays out this weekend. The interesting thing about NFL football is it's a game of inches. And we look at the Bears, that interception that that you spoke about to Miller, if he throws that one yard further and leads Miller, that's a touchdown. Yep. So, you know, this it's a game of inches. But yet and still, what people have to understand is that the majority of NFL football games are close games. Even bad teams rarely get blown out. So, you know, sometimes we could look at a team like the Bears and say, oh, well, they could have been 6-0, which is entirely true. They could be 6-0 right now with a, with a break here and a break there. But it's, it's the old saying, you know, you are what your record says you are. The Bears can't close out games. And that's the difference between the really good teams, the contenders, and the pretenders. Mm-hmm. The Bears are a little bit young. They do have a young quarterback and a fresh new offense that they're putting in. They have to learn to acclimate themselves too. And that does, you know, buy them a, a bit of a pass. But they just simply have to learn how to close out games where they're up 14. So now we've gone from the problem uh, where, you know, you couldn't close out the Green Bay game. Then you had games where you got off to slow starts with the offense after you scored the first touchdown on the first touchdown drive. Yeah. And you just can't close out these games. So, like, every week it's, it's something – as to where you're not closing out games. The teams that are good, the teams that make the playoffs, the teams that want to talk Super Bowls, they close out games. The Bears aren't doing that right now. And they have to learn how to close out. They have to learn how to win if they want to be mentioned in the same breath as those other teams, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Patriots, teams that we're looking at right now and saying, okay, there's a team that could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I I agree. You know, that that is the true difference between a contender and a pretender. I like how you said that because, you know, the, the good ones, they find a way to close it out. One thing I do want to address, and when this is going back to Mitch Trubisky's development, is I'm kind of tired of the weekly analysis or comparison of him and Pat Mahomes. And th- th- there's some there's some additional things that I want to bring up off off of even uh, aside from what we've already talked about with 
how great Pat Mahomes looks this year. Obviously, he looks like a world beater. You just mentioned that the Chiefs are one of the contenders that look like a Super Bowl team. You know, they got all phases of their their team working right now. Even the defense is improving. They used to be a, a turnstile on defense for the first few weeks, and it seems like they're they're getting that aspect of their game together. Uh, but, uh, man, this comparison, I understand they're going to be compared with each other forever throughout their careers, same year drafted. Mitch was taken first, obviously, as a quarterback with the second second pick. But here's the thing. Again, you cannot understate development, time to understand an offense, time to read defenses, and being able to sit out a year to watch things kind of unfold and get, get the game speed and get the NFL understood and uh, have, have a year to, to, to learn under offense, a very good offense by Andy Reid for a year behind Alex Smith. And then on top of that, going back to college, Mitch played 13 games at North Carolina. The competition wasn't as difficult as what Pat Mahomes went through. And also Pat Mahomes played almost twice, more than twice the amount of games that Mitch played. So you're, you're talking about as a, as a total, Mitch having more experience, period, on all levels. And this is why I say I'm so impressed with the way Trubisky is handling himself and going about his business after six games of being in this new offense. You can, you can, you can throw out yet last year. Last year is not what was intended for Mitch Trubisky. So, so we're talking about six games going into this scheme under a new coach, and, and you got to just give it time. You got to give it time. There's going to be roller coaster moments in games, in, in weeks where he's going to be a world beater, and then, then he's going to look suspect. You got to give it time. So I just wanted to make, make that mention, man. Just got to stop comparing those two. But those comparisons are going to be inevitable. And, and like you said, like the point you brought out, you have the same draft class. You have Mahomes who went after Mitch Trubisky. And then you have the Chiefs who look like geniuses because if you recall, they traded up for Mahomes. Yeah, they did. You know, and, and Mahomes was supposed to have been in that grouping of quarterbacks last year. He was supposed to have been the last of those quarterbacks taken. And they right. traded up. He was the second quarterback taken, right? So – you know, the Chiefs took a chance on this guy, and it worked out. Now, both of them in college. Deshaun was uh, second, right? I'm sorry? Deshaun was second, wasn't he? No. No? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. I thought it was, I thought it was Mitch, Deshaun, and then Pat. Patrick Mahomes went number 10 to the Chiefs after a trade with Buffalo. And Deshaun Watson went number 12 to the Texans. Ah, okay. So, as, as I can recall, they thought that the Chiefs were going to take Deshaun. They took Mahomes. And he was rated either at the bottom of the first round or at the top of the second by the time all was said and done heading, to, heading into the draft. So... A shrewd move by the Chiefs, and it's starting to look like it's going to pay off. But again, I can I, I understand where you're coming from about the comparisons with Trubisky and Mahomes, but unfortunately for Trubisky at this point in their careers, it's just going to happen. You're looking at two guys who are both in their second year who play in the same system for the most part, the same core system, and you're getting two different results right now. 
the Bears on paper have the better offensive line. The Bears on paper have the better defense. So there are factors that, that Trubisky has to his advantage and, and people can look at. But the issue with Trubisky right now, and it's and I think this is what puts many fans on, on notice, is that occasionally his mechanics go out of the window. And because his mechanics go out of the window, that's where you get the interceptions. That's where you get the underthrows and the overthrows because he's getting those happy feet. It's, it's, and I understand it's football, and nobody wants to be hit per se. But if he, unless that pocket is 100% clean, he gets happy feet. Even when he has an NFL clean pocket, it's not clean enough for him. You know, the NFL clean pocket isn't as clean as maybe high school or college. So where guys are just pancaking people in front of you and you have all day to throw. That NFL pocket is your offensive line is giving you four seconds to throw. You have throwing lanes. You have nobody truly in your direct line of sight. That's where your clean pocket is going to come from. You may yeah. have some hands, you know, on the side of you. You may have a, a guy who's been blocked to the back of you uh, in the NFL technique-wise, but that's not a, a clean enough pocket. And then Mitch starts to get happy feet. He starts shuffling, running, moving around, then an underthrow, then an interception, an overthrow for a wide-open receiver who, you know, could take it to the house. So that's the thing that's a little troubling for me. He just has to learn how to wade through the filth a little bit in that pocket and deliver some passes you know, on target. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that one. I think, again, that, that will come with time. I think that it's just a matter of, of chemistry and, and getting to know the offense as with anything. You always know that the saying practice makes perfect. So the more and more time passes, hopefully we'll see more more solid play, more more consistent play, more accuracy, less overthrown balls to, to easy targets, mind you. I mean, these these balls that he, he overthrows, man, if he would just have them on point, we, we again, we're talking about a possible W, at, at least a, a few few Ws at least. So it's times where he's missing mannequins, man. This guy's just standing there wide open waiting to be to be completed. Uh, pass yeah. is waiting to be completed, and, and he's missing them. So got to clean that up, and hopefully the Khalil Mack injury, by being a high ankle sprain, it could linger for quite some time. You know, Hopefully uh, he's able to bounce back a little bit from that, and the defense is able to once again revive themselves. The Jets are coming to town this week. That's chicken soup for the soul right there. So <laughs> let's get Sam Darnold a hard time. Don't let him pick you apart like he did the Lions. And yeah. It be all good. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of people who need chicken soup, <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Oh, my God. They need orange juice. They need Band-Aids. They need couches and pillows and ankle wraps. They need everything. While Zach Levine is proving himself to be early on, a reliable score to the tune of four straight games over 30. And efficiently, mind you. It's not yeah. like he's just he's out there just chucking crazy shots. I mean, he does go one-on-one a bit at times where he may need to, to dish off or, or initiate some other form of offense, but his scoring is efficient as far as his shooting and overall shot selection. He's not doing anything super crazy. 
which is much better than than we anybody really imagined. Even if you're the biggest Zach Levine backer, you didn't see it happening like this. So yeah. you know, kudos kudos to Zach for doing what he's doing. But dare I say it, he's gonna have to do more if the Bulls are going to be <laughs> successful this season. Let's 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 roll this off. So a month ago, yeah, Lowry Marketing, who went down with the the elbow injury. Yeah. And as soon as news comes out about him getting out of the elbow brace and being able to maybe get some strength work in with that arm, Chris Dunn comes back from spending time with his his young Bambino. Chris Dunn goes out with a mysterious MCL injury. Mysterious. I didn't see the play, so I don't I don't I don't want to call it just yet. No one saw it. No one saw it, but that's that's what he has. That's what's been diagnosed. Hmm. Denzel Valentine, who I think is overvalued, but he does have some value. Better him than campaign. Even though campaign went nuts last night. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about that bum. Oh, seven threes, and he was chirping. Yeah, he was chirping like he does this every day. Seven threes, and he was chirping. He was talking to whoever would listen about his seven three-point game. I'm of the strong belief this will never happen again, not even in an empty gym. (laughs) Not in a pickup game. Yep. So Chris Dunn down four to six weeks, MCL. Now, Bobby Portis, four to six weeks. The same thing. The same same timeline. The same injury. And I didn't see it. I didn't see anything. So I don't know how it happened or when it happened. Again, I didn't see the Chris Dunn injury. I didn't watch it, but they claimed that there was, I guess there was a moment where he was coming up the court and something happened, uh, and I'm guessing that he was untouched. Man, I, I don't know what to believe anymore, man. Uh, maybe maybe Zion Williamson got on the phone with Gar and was like, hey, man, I want to come to Chicago. And he was like, oh, say no more. Hey, uh, <laughs> Chris, Denzel, uh, we need you guys to set out about a month and a half, you know, just to make it look like we need to continue to develop our younger players. Let's get campaign out there running the show. Does Zion Williamson play for Iowa State? <laughs> I don't know why. Why you say that? Didn't they just play them? No, because there's no way that anyone outside of Iowa State calls Garform. <laughs> Fred Hoiberg's old stumping grounds is the only place, huh? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> there were no Iowa State prospects in this past draft, so the Bulls pretty much threw a dart at the board. They uh, printed up a sheet from NBADraft.net, threw a dart at the board, and uh, was like, let's take Wendell Carter. He looks safe. Again, I don't know what to what to make of all of this. They're dropping like flies. Uh, the only thing that I can say is it, it does give us a chance to, to see how Zach does. I mean, that honestly is now my only focus is to see how well and how consistent Zach Levine can be. And – 
if Jabari Parker can uh, with with uh, uh, kind of sustain uh, what he's doing, he he seems like the 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 typical off the bench you know six man type player right now. He's doing well. He might get thrusted into that starting lineup now that uh, we got uh, Bobby going down. So uh, it could be another year of just developing and seeing what your young players got, like a uh, a Wendell and a Chandler Hutchinson, and just seeing the improvement of Zach. So I'm impressed with Zach. It's funny, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, when we were getting into the Bulls, just the excitement behind Levine. This this may not be a fluke. This may not be a flash in the pan thing. And there's evidence of that because not only is his shooting getting better, uh, his athleticism is back up to what it was, his decision-making on the court, picking his spots is very good, but most importantly, he is getting to the line. And I remember a podcast that we had, man, like months ago, where at the end of it, we were talking about that and what it need, what what needs to be done and what it takes for Zach Levine to take that next step. And you mentioned in sp- specifically, he needs to get to the line. And right now he's averaging over nine free throws a game. And, you know, you, you're up there now with the guys who, who, who gets those those freebies like a James Harden, like a, a, a the leader, Jimmy Butler. That's part of elevating your points, elevating your game is being able to get fouled and being efficient when driving to the to the bucket. So he's one of the uh, top players by numbers right now in, in doing so. So uh, you gotta got to be very impressed with uh, what, what Zach is putting together so far. Oh, very much so. And he's hitting, he's hitting big shots uh, in, in these close games. And you got to make basketball easy. And, and Zach is doing what he can to make basketball easy. Getting to the line, penetration to the basket. He's not just chucking up bad shots. He's taking good shots, shots uh, where he's either created some space. He looks extremely quick, extremely quick off the bounce. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's getting, getting, to the yeah, basket, he, getting layups, getting dunks, uh, in traffic, in half court. So uh, that's something yeah. that's working out for Zach. My issue is just as as these as the the injuries mount up for the Bulls because you're now missing. Four guys, Markkanen, Valentine, Dunn, Portis. Yeah. Those are four of your top seven, honestly. Now you're getting into the the true trash of this team. (laughs) I I know everybody had the summer league love affair with Antonio Blakeney. I was never really on that boat. Yeah. And he can score and he can give you some buckets off the bench here and there. But that's all. Like, he's not a great jump shooter. He's he Defense is a foreign idea to him. Don't ask him to pass anything. If he brings the ball up court, we might be in trouble. Um, it's, it's just he's kind of a one-trick pony. And now he's going to see more time. We need to see more Chandler Hutchinson because he is a, a number one draft pick. This is a guy yeah. you promised. You made the promise to that you would take him, and you stuck hard to that promise, even though seemingly and, and, and according to scouts, better players were still there. You kept your word. So you got to see Chandler Hutchinson. Hopefully he does well. He had a nice little dunk in traffic in the game against Charlotte. Hopefully he does well, but – this is the time to show him off. I think at this yeah. point you just gotta you gotta play your best guys. 
hope for the best. You don't go instant tank, but you do make sure your young guys play and and whatever comes of that comes of it. Reevaluate your position around the time Laurie's supposed to come back in about a month. And wherever you stand there, you kinda you kinda make your decision from there. Because in about a month Lowry gets back and then you're looking at maybe two more weeks before Dunn gets back. So that's another six games. From there, you can tell where you want to go with this team. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to me, man. You were talking about it last week. <laughs> Before we even knew about Bobby's injury, the tank has has clearly found the Bulls. Maybe the Bulls didn't have the intention of trying to tank on purpose, but, uh, man, if it if it wasn't clear before, it, it might be a little bit more see through now that, that this this may be a season where you gotta you gotta look at things differently. There's there's just too many players, like you said, top players, core players that are just out of commission right now, and the list is getting longer. Might have to just reevaluate things. Perhaps next year after we'll see what they get. Yeah, the the, the, the tank is on, baby. We talked about Zach Levine making basketball simpler, easier. And we're certainly seeing evidence of it. But you know who's really making basketball look easy right now? Uh, would that be somebody in Golden State? Oh, well, yeah, it was Steph. <laughs> Steph, went, Steph went flat out crazy. <laughs> I just thought by default that's what that's who you were talking about. So I, I, I threw it in. I wasn't, but... 51 points. Was it 11 threes? Yeah. 11 threes. He, he made the 30-foot the finger roll that he flips 30 feet into the air. Didn't count, but he made it. Yep. What a lot of people uh, missed, too, was there was a game last week where the buzzer had gone off and Steph's shot was late, and he hit like a 90-foot three. Like I think yeah. I think he may be honed in this year. He might be honed in this year. But someone else who's making basketball look really easy is Blake Griffin. Ah, and yes, yes. We saw it firsthand against the Bulls. I'm surprised that that wasn't the game Bobby Porter's tore his MCL. Um, because. Blake Griffin treated him uh, quite gently that evening. Took him out for a, a nice date. <laughs> Took him for a ride, huh? <laughs> Took him out for a nice date. They had a, a respectable dinner. <laughs> Bobby paid the tab. Goodness gracious. And yeah. this isn't – and then we saw it even later. We put up 50 on the Sixers. And he's abusing anybody that dared stood in front of him. And this isn't dunk over a car, Blake. This isn't, you know, destroy Palka's soul, rip the rim off the backboard, Blake Griffin. We're seeing the some of the stuff that we saw in college that he kind of put behind him because it was so lob city-ish in, in LAC. We're yeah. seeing the skilled footwork. Yep. We're seeing Blake Griffin with ball handling, playing a point forward on many occasions. This dude is walking the ball up, uh, taking step back crossovers, pulling up for threes. 28-foot three-point shots. 
I mean, Blake is doing it all and doing it all quite, quite easily right now. Yeah, th- this is this is this is what is called working on your craft. Clearly a different player now doesn't have the same type of athleticism or, or, or jump as he did in his early years. But that's why you have to continue to work on your craft. You can't just come in the league as some bouncy athletic dude and expect to be that way for the whole entire bit of your career on the same level. You know, and and Blake did that, even with the injuries, which kind of cost him a little bit. You can see he elevated his game. His three-point shot, it looks very good. It's set. It's it's nice and compact. Uh, It's it's nice, man. His, his, His overall ability to uh, impact the game in so many different areas has, has really taken another level. I mean, his passing ability, uh, the, the decision he made to kind of fake out the defense and go to the bu- bucket for that layup and that and one, that was that was really, really crafty. I like the way that that went down. Uh, you can see his his uh, IQ, his intelligence for the game is just – it's taken a, 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 a spike. So just kudos to him, man. Again, that's what it takes, man. You You work on your craft every year. Year in, year out. And if you want to be one of the best, or if you want to maintain your status as one of the best, that's what it takes. You got to work on pieces of your game to to continue to be good. I think a lot of the stuff, and, and needless to say, Blake has worked on many aspects of his game. But I think a lot of the things that we're seeing Blake do, a lot of those things were already there. I just think he didn't, he didn't get much of a chance to use it with Chris Paul running the offense and so much hype and pub over the Lob City, and he was able to do things so easily with his athleticism, you know, he didn't have to use the the raw skill he had. Because if I, when I remember Blake at Oklahoma, a lot of the things he was doing, especially on the block, he was doing at Oklahoma with the footwork. That was one of the reasons he went number one, because he was so skilled with his back to the basket. So... You know, it's it's good to see him return and be able to display all facets of his game. He still has a little bit of athleticism left, but now he's playing basketball with skill and then using the athleticism when he needs it as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, you pick your spots when you want to jam on somebody like he did with uh, Joel on the fast break. Very, very, very good, very good all-around player, man. Again, kudos to him. In other NBA news, uh, this just came down today. Uh Uh-oh. The Houston Rockets are prepared to mortgage their future for Jimmy Butler. Not not just their future. I think their entire livelihood, their children's children, their children's children's children. And supposedly, it's another case where the owner is pushing for a guy. They said that um, the Houston Rockets owner really wants Jimmy Butler. They think that it was it was a mistake that they lost by Mute and Trevor Ariza. And they think that Jimmy will certainly fill the gap that they left, especially with Carmelo coming off the bench. <sighs> They're offering, or they're willing to offer. I don't know if the offer's been put in yet. Yeah, four first round draft picks. Oh, I think I think <laughs> just you saying that it just sounds insane. But I, I think that if it was actually already offered, we would be talking about it being put through already. 
Because if, if Tom Thibodeau can get first four round first four first round draft picks on top of the talent he already has there, I think Tom would have uh, would would have taken that already. Because if you remember the 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 trade that he he tried to make with uh, Miami and Pat hung up on him because he asked for more than uh, what he was willing to give up, what Pat was willing to give up, and you know he cursed him out. But uh, you're talking about four first-round draft picks? I don't care what year it is. That's insane. That is that is utterly insane for somebody. Well, does does this mean now that, what, Jimmy is going to get a, a huge contract? Because if, if Houston can't tie him up, then what's the purpose of getting that? I think you're neglecting something. I don't think that this is something that Tibbs jumps on. I think hmm. if, if the four picks for Jimmy Butler thing goes through, one, some salary has to be exchanged. They can't pick up Jimmy Butler's salary with the with the limited, if not exhausted, cap space in Houston. They can't mm-hmm. pick up Jimmy's salary just flat out. So uh, some bodies will have to move. Before first-round picks does not appease a Tom Thibodeau. He doesn't like the young guys. He doesn't want to look for the future. Tibbs is always in win-now mode. So unless you're offering actual players – who can help you win games this season? You know, Tibbs isn't – the needle isn't moved on on for Tibbs. I think if this goes through, it has to be something that the owner, Glenn Taylor, would have to okay and put mm-hmm. through because he might see what it can do for the future of that franchise. But I don't think that's a, a move that Tibbs is completely on board with introducing four first-round picks. He doesn't look that far into the future. Now, so, you know, the NBA has this rule where you can't trade consecutive picks. But I guess there's a caveat to that. If if you trade four picks in seven years, I guess you can manipulate some of that to where you can give up consecutive picks. It's like a a, a seven-year rule, I think it's called where if you're trading four picks within a seven-year time frame, then you can use, in, in some areas, consecutive picks. And the other thing, though, is I think you can only protect one of those picks if you're trading that many. So you can't trade, like, four lottery-protected picks. You have to, you know, leave some protections off three of those picks. I think you can only protect the first one. So... That'd be quite the haul for Minnesota, but you have to be looking, you have to be forward thinking and looking forward to the future saying, hey, we got Cat. He's 22 years old, 23 years old. We take him and then uh, we take these other picks in. And even though they're Houston picks and they're going to be low draft picks, you know, I, once you get around that third and fourth pick, I think the they'll get a little higher. So, you know, Daryl Morey and then the uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets, uh, Tillman Fertitta. Tillman Fertitta is his name. I All think right. He, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did your homework on that one. There we go. Fertitta. Fertitta. I think that they got the memo. The end of days is upon us. And they think that those picks will not be even needed. Um, the world's going to come to an end soon, and they want to get this chip before the world comes to an end. <laughs> Who cares if, if we trade these picks? Yeah. 
Apparently, Houston knows something we don't. <laughs> Direct line to God. <laughs> Silly. Daryl Morey picks up the God phone and calls it in. But that'll be quite the haul for Minnesota. I just don't think Tiz will be on board. It'd have to be something that Glenn Taylor says, oh, you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, okay. And frankly, man, I think the way this league is going right now, Tibbs is quickly becoming a dinosaur. I love Tibbs. I like basketball. I like how he has the ability to motivate men. But the, the direction that the league is going and the direction that the NBA wants this league to go in, Tibbs is becoming a dinosaur. Like, the way offense is going to go over the next few years, if Tibbs keeps coaching, he may die of a coronary. <laughs> if if I, I'm surprised he hasn't already with all the yelling and the, the the sore throats and hoarse voices he's gotten over the years, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it, it kind of has passed him. His his peak was probably even before he was a Bulls coach when he was the defensive mind of the the Boston Celtics big three in that championship. I, I want to say that was when he was at the top of his his game and when the NBA was still in in the midst of. Defense truly does matter, you know, to a greater degree than throwing up threes and offense just blowing teams out. And I think I think he was very impactful with the Bulls because if you recall how good the Bulls were yeah. defensively, it was it was a sight to see, man. I, I found basketball to be fun even then. They had some offensive offensive deficiencies, but Derrick Rose was exciting, and the Bulls on defense, like Tibbs, had some ingenious approaches to things. That defense, even without Derrick, that defense won games for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, he was able to give them just enough offense to keep them afloat. And it was fun to watch that level of defense. I always thought it was fun to watch great defensive teams go to work uh, within the within the landscape of the rules. Even the Bad Boys Pistons, when they, they played defense, they were dirty. But take that dirt away and they played good defense. I can't say as much for the Knicks because I think their defense was based in a little bit of dirt and Patrick Ewing just being back there uh, guarding the rim. But yeah. great defense has always appealed to me. Even the Golden State Warriors, and people want to blame them for ushering in this this offensive era. Really, all they did was kind of copy what the Spurs did when they dismantled the Heat in the big three. They pretty much took a, a, a copy of that and built on it. But the thing was, that Spurs team and those Warriors teams played defense still. It was at a higher pace, but they played defense. But now they're selling out defense for offense. And it's, just, it's become a case of, you know, getting the occasional stop and, you know, the first team to 120. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah kudos to Golden State. Uh, they do have a good brand of defense. Uh Look at Utah as well, who's a, a very, very good defensive-minded team as well. They got some good pieces there. So, yeah, defense is still a factor. It's just amazing just how many high-scoring games you have nowadays compared to before uh, when when it was – it was you, you would think 95 or 99 was enough to win. That That's probably the team right now that will get blown out because everybody's scoring 120 points at the least. So it's it's kind of insane, man. I, I I was I turned to a game when they had the free league pass, and I was going through the games. And I looked at a game 
and I didn't really look, 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 and I saw the score was like 96 to 88. I'm like, okay, and it had five minutes left. I'm like, okay, let me catch the last five minutes of this game. I turn on the game. It's still in the third quarter. 96 to 88, five minutes left in the third quarter. So offense right now is is ruling the day. And we'll, we'll see if it evens out. I just don't see it, though, right now. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Now, yeah. now all that being said, the Bulls mass unit bodies lining up over at a rush hospital. Mash unit. <laughs> and the Rockets being willing to uh, forfeit the next decade for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> All of that pales in comparison to the NBA news of the week. Did Rajon Rondo spill on Chris Paul? Oh, the magic loogie incident. I mean, this, this takes us back to... Uh, one of my favorite episodes of Seinfeld, man. I, I got to say, when Jerry eloquently described <laughs> the, the magic spit bomb that uh, was apparently uh, put on, uh, I, I can't, what, what, what was his name? Kramer. Uh, no, not, not, I'm the, the baseball player. Uh, oh, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. <laughs> oh, anyway, man, one of my favorite episodes. So, they showed a few, few, few up close clips of Rajon Rondo actually spitting towards Chris Paul, and and they 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 panned in once, and you didn't see it, but then they panned in again. It was got it got real close to to, to Rajon's mouth, and you could see like this. It was almost like a sniper like spew of 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 a projectile spit that just went straight at his eye. And, you know, some people that I talk to, they argue that, no, that was Carmelo. It was a it was a uh, accidental spit from the side. And, you know, Chris Paul was over overreacting. He was tripping. But no, I am I am firm in my belief that Rajon Rondo was the culprit. This goes back to their animosity, their hatred for each other from when Rajon was on the Boston Celtics and Chris was on the Hornets like this. This hatred goes back a while. There's reasons for this. And Rajan is not an innocent person by any means, man. Rajan can get under your skin. He can do some 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 stuff on the on the on the on the court, man, that'll just get under your skin. So we're not gonna play like Rajan is just some, oh, I would never do that type person. So I, I'm 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 gonna go with the verdict is Rajan Rondo is guilty with a sentence of ten years to life. Ten years to life of what? I don't know. I just thought I wanted to say that. Hey, man, just move on, all right? No, no. So <laughs> let me let, let me make this perfectly clear, okay? There is no reason to spit on a person. It's, it's very disrespectful. Absolutely not. Very disrespectful because I was taught coming up, you don't even spit on the sidewalk. You spit on in the street or in the grass because you didn't want to spit where people walked. That's how disgusting it was. You don't want to track it in your house. So to spit on a human being is, is deplorable, disrespectful and nasty, honestly. But also these are two of the most insufferable individuals 
the NBA has to offer. And honestly, it's just like when you, when you think about who these two guys are, at some point, this was going to happen if Rajon Rondo played long enough. They were going to face off and butt heads at some point. And both you, of them are accusing each other of being bad leaders and bad teammates. Rajon Rondo is the guy that you want in the bunker with you, but if he's in the other bunker, you can't stand him. No, you cannot. Chris Paul, and I, I've said this on many occasions, I think Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. I think he's done done wonderful things in the league. I think that there's been times where he's carried lesser teams higher than they should have gone. He's not he's not a championship winning player right now. He's probably the a piece in a championship team. Maybe he should be the third best player on a team in order for them to win a championship at this point in his career. But I've always said Chris Paul is just he's kind of an emotional midget. Those Clippers teams that were full of talent, high flying talent, they should have done more. And a lot of that goes to Doc. And I think when Chris Paul got with Doc Rivers, Chris Paul, you know, he you know, he was pesky, very Isaiah Thomas Thomas ish in his mm. approach to basketball, in my opinion. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And him getting with Doc Rivers, who himself is emotionally unstable when it comes to basketball. Nothing was ever the Clippers' fault. Nothing was ever his fault. It was always all the other factors outside. They did this to us. They did that to us. Nothing was ever the other team being better. Nothing was ever we didn't do certain things right. It was always what well, the refs did this. They, they complained more than any team in the league, and they were just, to me, emotionally stunted on yeah. that team. And Chris Paul was a major, major part of that. But again, this was bound to happen. They were bound to butt heads, especially now where they're both seen as, as part of contending basketball teams. And they will meet again, and it, it'll be interesting to see what goes on there. But Ray John Rondo had no business spitting on him. No man has a business spitting on another man. But right now, they're just kind of canceling each other out. They really are. And yes, Ray John Rondo did spit on him. I don't have a sentence for him. The NBA handed out a sentence. What I found interesting was this. And the NBA kind of looked past the actual spitting and the actual melee that took place. And they handed out suspensions based on who threw the best punch. <laughs> oh, I know who threw the best punch. <laughs> because, <laughs> because what Rondo got, what, four games Paul got? No, Rondo got three games. Paul got two. And Brandon Ingram <laughs> four games. And if you look at the, the replay of that of that scuffle, <laughs> it it was a it was a cheap shot. It was it wasn't it was a side swipe. You know, Ingram came in from from behind on on the crew on the guys. But did you see the punch he threw? Yeah, oh, oh, I definitely saw it. I, I, I gotta admit, I didn't know that uh, that was uh, part of his, uh, his uh, package. Because <laughs> uh, you know, Brandon Ingram, he looks like uh, one of those those pretty boys, where you know, he just he doesn't get involved in too too much of a uh, too much trouble, too too many scuffles. But uh, that man went went Compton real quick, 
Went Compton real. I mean, you got to think about Brandon Ingram. You know, he he has the look of one of those skateboardy kids, <laughs> and he went to Duke. You know, so he's like this this preppy gone. You know, from preppy to mild. You know, basketball players gone mild, and for him to just come out and throw a picture perfect punch, it. it it earned a, a little bit of notice from the average NBA fan. A little more to Brandon Ingram's repertoire, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was, I was kind of shocked. Even, even before that. I mean, if you remember, before Chris Paul and Rajon got into it, my man Brandon just randomly pushed James Harden out the way and was ready to box with him until the, yeah, he kinda, the referee got in the middle of it. Brandon kind of kicked it off with the push on, on Harden. I agree. Yeah, and Harden looking like, well, what's going on? What? What's up? No, Brandon didn't no. want. Let's let's be real about this. James Harden does things on the basketball court to you that makes you want to fight him. For all the the crossovers that Harden has, and and you know he is effective in that regard. Harden does a lot of little sneaky things on offense, the push offs, the the hip checks when he's dribbling. You know, shoulder bumps when he's going to the basket, and that can annoy you. You know, and then Brandon Ingram, from from what I saw, he was being picked on heavily throughout the course of that game on the on the officiating end. He was on the bad end of, you know, of guarding James Harden. Uh, and the way James Harden goes to the basket and pretty much commits certain violations, but you get you get the foul, you get the call. Over the course of a game, that can that can annoy you. So I think. Brandon Ingram was fed up, and he went to the ba- James Harden went to the basket, got the foul, and then complained. I mean, he should have got the N one, but he complained it should have been an N one. I think Ingram was just fed up. He's like, "Dude, look, you got the foul. I don't think it was a foul. You pushed me and got the foul. Now you complaining you didn't get the basket? Yeah. So he just kind of pushed him out of the way." Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Brandon's uh, Brandon's a dog, apparently. <laughs> So we got one now. Brandon Ingram, we got us one. We uh keep your eye on that Ingram kid. He's got a future. <laughs> Throwing them hands. Oh, just just as a reminder to uh our Stay Oz fans, and especially to Jordan. Uh oh. Cameron Payne hit seven three pointers in a game. Hey, 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 okay. We look, I said I did not want to talk about this anymore, man. Stop trying to put a damper on the Steos, all right? Because now you know what this means. This means Cameron Payne is now given an excuse to to continue to do whatever he wants to do in the court. He already is going to start, which uh, I, I, I don't have any words for any of that. Uh, but now you have an excuse for him to get more of a shot and to 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 give reason as to why you're putting him out there. Seven threes. Yes, it was a good game. Do I want him to have a good game? <laughs> Honestly, no. I, I don't care if that man goes off for 30 points for the next 80 games. I don't want Cameron Payne on a roster, not just the Bulls. I want him to work for McDonald's. I want him to come to Lansing, work for McDonald's, so when I order a double with cheese, he can hand me my food, and I can say he's a bum. Okay? I don't want him playing basketball Anymore. Oh, McDonald's. 
They ain't gonna give him a dignified job like Chick Fil A. That's right. That's right. The Grub Report doesn't that doesn't respect campaign. Chick Fil A is a little more dignified. I mean, he's on the level of of Sacramento. Okay, you know how much I loathe Sacramento. Campaign. Matter of fact, that's what we can do. Send him to Sacramento. Let him start there. We already discussed this, and you said it wouldn't work. Look, because I wanted to get De'Aaron Fox here and campaign there. Oh God! All right, are we done with this? Are we done with campaigning? He's so bad. Oh, (laughs) but you know what though? Here's the thing: the fact that he's getting significant playing time tells you what about Arch Dianaco and Tyler Ulis, and now Shaq. He wants to be called Shaq. Shaq Harrison. That's fine. What that tells me is the, the 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 people don't know who the heck they're they're starting. That's what that tells me. They don't know it what they're doing. It tells me that all of them are terrible. Shaq hasn't even had a chance to show what he can do. I don't I don't yes, agree. He yes, he has. He came. He played. He showed it in Phoenix. Think about this. The Bulls picked up two guards that Phoenix that the Suns didn't think were good enough. Quick, who's the Suns' point guard? I don't. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. You know who the Suns' point guard is, and they picked that guy over those two. Is it? Is it Alfred Payton? No, that's that's done. Alfred Payton is in New Orleans. Oh God. Okay. You don't know who the Suns' point guard is. It's a it's a shady figure. It's not even a real number. I think your TV fuzzes him out when he plays. And Tyler Eulis and Shaq Harrison were cut. They couldn't get playing time over this anonymous point guard that the Suns have. And then they come to the Bulls. The Bulls picked them up with fervor, mind you. Didn't even hit the waiver wire good. Picked them up and then proceed to tell you that Cameron Payne is a better player than that. Okay. I, I have no more words. I can't use any more breath, any more words for Cameron Payne discussion. So I'm, 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 I'm done. I am wiping my hands clean. Can, can, we, can we talk about food? Can we talk about something happy? Yes. Yes, we can. Thank you. So fans of the Grub Report, we've decided to change the lane a bit. We decided to swerve the lane, as the Migos would tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You are something else. (laughs) So as opposed to picking out a restaurant for the week, Jordan and I have decided to give our top frozen pizzas. Top frozen pizzas. Now, have you narrowed it down to three or five? Uh, I'm going to go with three. Okay, go for it. There were a few that were put up on our, our Instagram page that I will definitely agree with. One being one of my favorites. Uh, this possibly just could be because I always got it. Uh, it was It was accessible. Whenever I wanted frozen pizza, I said, okay, let me go ahead and get my, my, my boy, which is DiGiorno. 
uh, with specifically with the stuffed crust, uh, Supreme or pepperoni, either one, uh, preferably Supreme actually, but it, it has to have that stuffed crust. Oh my goodness. That's in there. That's the top three. Uh, the second one would be uh, one that I got put on too late, but uh, better late than never is the, uh, the boss hog. The, uh, I can't remember the name. It has a huge mouth on Screaming it. Sicilian. Thank you. Yes. The screaming Sicilian pizza line. Oh my goodness. They have some very good varieties of pizza. They're pretty creative. Seems like they use a lot of good fresh ingredients too. That is a very good frozen pizza. And then let's see, what will I do for my last? I didn't really get into the 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 bruschetta or freschetta line. I, I never really traveled down that road. So perhaps you can you can fill me in on how good they are. But uh I'm gonna go with Home Run In. Home Run In is always a good pizza. In my opinion, they they they've never done me wrong when it comes to frozen, e- either 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 sausage, pepperoni, or supreme with that too. So those three, I, I I'm I'm digging. It's a good list. I'm gonna start with what you, the Stayos fan, have decided on. So number three is DiGiorno's. Mm-hmm. DiGiorno's. A lot of people are chiming in, said they like that. Another one that was spoken of, and this one is is not a, a, a national brand, I guess. I guess it's Aldi's national. Because a couple people picked the like the Aldi's pizzas. Uh they are which, very good, but I'm not sure. I'm I'm really not sure. They are tasty. They're very tasty. And the runaway number one frozen pizza in the game, voted on by you, the fan. And interestingly enough, part of one half of Steos's dinner this evening, <laughs> that half being me, HRI, home run in frozen pizza. That's right. And a landslide. It ran away with the voting that we did on the Stay Eyes podcast. And also I threw a little bit on my personal uh, to get a few more votes in. Home Run In was voted your top frozen pizza. Hey, I, I can't can't blame anybody. We had some other mentions. We had, well, Dave from the Triangle Offensives and occasionally he, he uh, shows up on Vibes and Stuff podcasts. Dave hates Home Run In. Come on, Dave. Home come, come on, Dave. That's a classic, man. Yeah. What's wrong with your taste buds, bro? You know, we've known Dave for a while, and, and Dave is, is a man of interesting interesting taste. And I respect <laughs> it. I respect <laughs> A man of interesting taste. Home run in makes Dave angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, I guess you're entitled to your opinion, man. I, I don't know. Just uh, home run in has never done me wrong. Never, never. But shout out to Dave. Hope you're, in, you're enjoying your uh, your Tonys or your Red Baron or your Jacks. <laughs> Mama Cozies. Ooh. Yee, yee. Oh, my goodness. Also, we did get some people who mentioned Jacks in jest. 
Um, I think a couple people were serious, though. Here's the way I feel about Jack's. <laughs> Jack's is not a terrible pizza. Jack's is what you get when times are hard and you have to go to Coinstar. Mm-hmm. So you go to Coinstar and you get your receipt back after they take 8% of your change. You get your receipt back for roughly $8 and you have to get food for a week. So you go get you a trusty Jack's, get that four for $10 and uh, you move on with your life. Slightly better deal than Red Baron. How do you feel about Red Baron? I haven't had it since I was a little kid. And there's a reason for that, because I stumbled onto uh, uh, better amounts of great pizza. (laughs) So I didn't go backwards. You know, when you when you try something, when you're forced to eat something, you just eat it, you know, because your parents bought whatever they bought for the, uh, the fridge. And so, you know, whenever the frozen pizza was bought, that was one of the pizzas every now and then that was bought. So you kind of just ate what you could eat. But uh, when I uh, had my own money, got out the house, even when I was at the house, and I was able to buy my own pizza whenever I got it. Uh, Red Baron, that was not in the cards, my brother. Red Baron is like one of those last resorts, last resorts. You know, when everything else is is out of order, then you, you can go to some Red Baron. Even then, I, I probably would eat a, a bowl of lima beans. Is it that bad? Bowl of lima beans is extremely bad. I hate lima beans. That should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate red baron. I just, I just think there's better classes of pizza out there. But I do give red baron in a pinch at times. You know, I thought when you said you found something. I thought you were going to say, like, you found a nickel on your pizza or, you know, some foreign object. No. Which is which is likely to happen. More on a Jack's pizza than a Red Baron, but it's likely to happen. <laughs> on your, some random foreign object, huh? Random foreign object on your less expensive pizzas. Now, the Chris top three. Also, we got some honorable mentions on our Instagram page and on mine. Reggio's Pizza. Okay. And one of yours, DiGiorno, yep. is on the list as well. I can dig I, it. I, I especially like like yourself. I like the stuffed crust. Here's my only issue with DiGiorno stuffed crust. They don't make it in sausage. It's mm. only in pepperoni. I never really realized that because I always get pepperoni or uh, Supreme. Yeah, it's it was well, it's in Supreme too. I don't eat I don't eat supreme pizzas. I don't want a lot of vegetables on my pizza. If I wanted a lot of vegetables, I wouldn't be eating pizza. What are you talking about, man? It's just a little green pepper. I hate green pepper. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh. I hate it. The taste of green pepper is just like ugh, to me. But you know what? It, it's like it's like having a like a cob salad. Like you know there's healthy stuff in it, but it kind of gets drowned out by the the ranch and the chicken and the bacon bits and all the good stuff that you really do like. So you just eat it because you know it's good for you, but it also has the things that you truly do want. So, I mean, when it comes to a Supreme pizza, you got your pepperoni, your sausage, your cheese, uh, your sauce, you know, you got the things that you actually want. And then, you know, like, like you, you, you got your hidden, hidden vegetables in there that you just eat. It's kind of like when, when you were given some medicine or, or something, 
you know, your parents would put it on a spoon, but they would hide it with some some applesauce or something or whatever that you really like. So you wouldn't have to work to, to think about, you know, what was nasty. I don't know, man. I, I can get down with a little green pepper. Let's be honest, Jordan. When you're talking about a supreme pizza, anything that you're buying, they're going to give you more of the things that you don't want. So you can call it drowning out all you want. There's more green pepper on those Supreme pizzas than anything. <laughs> I don't know what pizza spot you going to, but brother, when they give me a Supreme, they 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 pile on the stuff that I want. Now, nah, now, nah, first of all, I don't get Supreme pizza. Well, there it is. I get I get pizza the way it should be: meat, cheese, tomato sauce, crust. Oh my god. Why are you complicating? Why are you turning your pizza into a salad? It's not a salad. Oh, my God. Eat salad on the side of your pizza. Hmm, I'll have a sausage pizza, stuffed crust. Yeah, and give me that side salad. That way I get my vegetation. Kill two birds with one stone. I just want, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I have to say this. Uh, for all those who are looking at Thursday night football, because honestly, I am double duty in right now. Uh, the catch that was just made by DeAndre Hopkins, Sports Center top ten. Doesn't matter if it's a flag on it or not. I, I, I need you to look up that catch, uh, Chris, because I'm pretty sure you're not watching the game. You know how I feel about Thursday night football. I'm I'm just saying. I had to take. I had to. I had to. I had to just put that in there real quick. It, it is. It is utterly amazing. But uh, continue. Thursday night football has a 98% chance of being the worst football game of the week. <laughs> oh, God. Just just you know, enjoy what you watch, okay? Just enjoy it for what it is. You have a bunch of guys who haven't recovered from their concussions playing football. That's true, but, hey, it's just like when you got to get the pizza that you probably don't want. Sometimes you just got to deal with what you get. At the end, the end, the end, the end, the end result is it's still football. So you want to watch some football? Tune in to Thursday night, just like that pizza, that uh, that uh, that last resort pizza. You're still going to eat it if you have no other choice. That's a terrible strategy for football, pizza, and dating. <laughs> Wait a minute now, I ain't saying nothing about no dating. You don't get what you. That's not that you don't you don't you don't settle for a last resort with anybody. Just take what you can get. It's Thursday. Just, just whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Let's move on to my list. Okay. <laughs> and none of these will be Supreme Pizzas, by the way. Because Supreme Pizzas are stupid. We're going out for a Supreme Pizza. Stay out, fan. We're going to get Chris. We're going to corner Chris, and he's going for a Supreme Pizza. And you will either be eating that alone or you will be having green pepper spit on you like Chris Paul. <laughs> All right, your top three, man. Go ahead. Number three. I am going to go with, and this is a close one, because I like the Aldi's pizzas. Honestly, they've, they've come up. Yes. But let's go with the DiGiorno stuffed crust. Even though they don't make it in sausage, it's still a quality mechanism. Also, honorable mention to Reggio's. I grew up on that, so they get a little props. They they just always, they always seem like Reggio's is missing something. Number two, 
And this this was a tough decision for me. This was almost number one. Okay. You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's switch it up. Number two is home run in. Let's get it. Number two is home run in. Okay. All right. Number one is the screaming Sicilian boss hog. You'll find it in your grocer's freezer. I'm telling you, if you have not had this pizza, have it. Screaming Sicilian. There's a huge mustache on it. It has like real hunks of sausage. Hunks. Paws. Real. If you get the pepperoni, it's, it's, it's real. Oh, it's, it's a delight. It's a delight. The cheese is all over. The, oh, my goodness. So that's my top three. Yeah. Not chunks. DiGiorno. DiGiorno. Home run in. And then Screaming Cecilia. Okay. Also, I want to advocate making your own pizza at home. Mm. Mm, okay. Go get yourself some yeast. Get yourself a little uh, white enriched and wheat flour. Mix that. And make your own pizza at home. Cook your sausage. Don't cook it on the pizza. Cook it before you make the pizza. Otherwise, you will be off work for two days. Unless you actually want to do that. No one wants that. You don't want pork meat poisoning. But I'm just I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. Make your own pizza. It's great. It's it's fun for the family. If you know if you if it's you and the wifey, it's a great couple's activity. Make your own pizza. But if you can't, or if you don't feel like it, or if you work a very tough job and you come home and like I'm not cooking squat, go out, grab yourself a screaming Sicilian. And tell them Chris sent you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there will be no discount as of right now, but that's fine if you want to just tell them Chris sent you. I didn't promise one. There's a million Chris's in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which Chris? Pratt? Evans? Who? There are so many Chris's in front of me. <laughs> By the way, if you ever want to make your own pizza, just make sure you add some vegetables like a green pepper or a spinach to it. Now, 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 I'll say this. I'll say this. I do eat spinach pizza. All right. Now we're talking. Spinach is, spinach is one of my favorite vegetables. Okay. I love spinach. Love it. Cook yourself down some spinach. Go get some baby spinach. Cook it down. Yeah. You don't have to add water when you cook spinach. Spinach, when cooked down and sauteed, creates its own water. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> little cooking tip out there. See, Stayos is a very versatile podcast. Yes, it is. Legendary and versatile. Legendary and versatile. Give you cooking tips. It's how you make your baby spinach. Take it out the plastic carton, or or if you chose to pick it by hand, rinse, shake dry, saute, creates its own water, season to taste. There you go. There you go. You got you got Julia Childs right here. Don't do that. No, not at all. Hello, everybody. That was weirdly accurate. I'm sorry. I actually used to watch that when I was younger, too. That was another show my mom used to watch when she would cook is uh, just random Julia Childs on Channel 11 or whatever channel came on. I think it was WTTW. But uh, it was Channel 11. 
Yep. Didn't have any cable, so I got used to hearing that high pitched voice. Hello, welcome to Juliet. All that. <laughs> so you're gonna do it again? Yes. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Mercy. <laughs> now I I did watch it a bit. You know, channel everything on Channel Eleven. It's funny when you were a kid, you thought that Channel Eleven would have like Sesame Street on every day. Yeah. And you realize on Saturday that it wasn't on. Oh my God. You'd be disappointed. It was like, eh, I might as well watch this Julia Child or This Old House or Justin Wilson, the Cajun cook. Yep. I, I think I, I remember. guarantee. I guarantee. Or watching Bob paint with a very soft voice. I never watched him. He was creepy and I felt violated. <laughs> I got to admit, the reason why I'm laughing is because that is very accurate. He did sound like he was ready to, to give some candy to kids. Hey, I got I got some 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 Snickers over here, boys. I'm like, who is this white guy with an afro <laughs> talking soft like this? Like nothing added up in the world when I saw that. So I was like, I'm turning. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, that that's that's how it was, man. Back in the day, you didn't have any cable. So so good 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 frozen pizza and channel eleven. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Jordan. I had cable. Well, I just like channel eleven. And that's back when cable only had like thirty channels. Yeah. And that bogus scientific Atlanta box. It was sometimes there was no point to having cable. Your remote had three buttons. Oh, how far cable has come. Yeah. And for I, as far as cable has come, less people have it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I count me in on that, though, though. One of those people. It's too much. Too much. Right. Am I. I have unplugged my friend. So much stuff on on fire sticks and and chrome sticks and Roku's and all of that. It's too much. You, can, you have access to without actually getting cable. The fact that I can get league pass on my Fire Stick or on my Roku, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of ways to still enjoy some good entertainment without spending $200 a month. I thought you were going to say there's plenty of ways to steal cable. <laughs> well, there is, but we don't we don't promote that here on the Stay House Podcast. Not at all. At least not publicly. <laughs> Speak for yourself. If you want cable, call me. Hey, hey, hey. Don't start talking like Bob now. Speak up. <laughs> but it's been a great episode. Yes, We've sir. We talked about food and spit in the same episode, and at no point was it disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so, to the Chicago Bulls. Do the best you can, but tank in the offing, I do hear a tank. Tank. Tank, please. The offing, there's, there's, there's a faint sound of a tank. Yeah. And one last reminder campaign hit seven threes in a game. <sighs> See, we, we, were, we were doing good. We were doing good. You're getting me back for the green peppers. I understand. It's okay. Sorry. Right. If you want a great pizza, home run in. DiGiorno's, Screaming Sicilian. 
and there's others out there, you know, let's, let's not get it twisted. There's others out there. And, you know, with Grub Reports, we're going to just start doing some different things, listing some of our favorite things. Shout out to Ian. Uh, he said he's Ian from the um, Magnificent Vibes podcast. Yes, sir. He said he'd be down for a one-hour Grub Report. There we go. See, we got another foodie on board. We could do the, the, you know, the good and the bad of food. So we may not have a branch off, but we may have an occasional episode where we just go in, give you the ins and outs of different restaurants, ones we will go to and ones we won't. Because the Grub Report really started with a disc of a restaurant, if you recall. Yeah. The yeah. Cursed Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I remember. Their breakfast menu changed or, or is non-existent. Yeah, I remember. Oh, God. Uh, it's just, uh, Don't get me started on Dunkin'. Yeah, that, that, that'll be for another time. Yeah, I'll hold back. Jeez. <laughs> Every time I pass a Dunkin' in my building, it's, it's less and less full. Dunkin's yeah. going to die a terrible death. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. If Starbucks was cheaper, Duncan probably would be dead by now. And I'm going to be standing back watching it die in the trees like like uh, Sergeant Voight. <laughs> so we've had another great episode of the Stay House Podcast. I'm going to go watch Chicago PD with my wife. All right. And Chris. Been here with Jordan. Thank you, Stay House Podcast fans. Follow mm-hmm. us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to us. Subscribe. We are on the the base. Our home base is Anchor. But we're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. I think we're either we're on Stitcher or we're going to be on Stitcher soon. Okay. And wherever you can find us, follow the Stay House Podcast. Subscribe. It's been another great episode. See y'all later. See you.